Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello, and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and I am a certified financial planner practitioner, and this is a show for you to help you understand your money, to understand the stock market and why it's going up and down, how to understand how economic indicators work and how they impact everything else. We look at financial legislation that can impact your life and the rules around the money that you deal with. In the Plan Your Prosperity section, we look at different financial planning topics. And then finally, in the Ask Peggy section, that's your opportunity to ask me a question. So if you want me to answer your question, you should submit it to the Facebook page, Ask Peggy, or you could put it on my website, which is askpeggy.com. And if you go to the contact page, you'll find a place that you can submit questions. So let's get started on this brand new show for a brand new year and talk a little bit about what the market did last year. You know, we all know that the fourth quarter was really interesting. The last month was bad. The fourth quarter was really a lot worse with the S&P 500 down about 13%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down over 11%. The NASDAQ was down almost 17%, 16.77%. So the fourth quarter was horrible. Just by any definition, the fourth quarter was horrible. However, I want us to take a broader view and look at the year. And yes, the market did go down for the year, but it not nearly as much. So the NASDAQ closed down less than a percent, 0.14%. So basically the NASDAQ was flat for the year. The S&P 500 was down 4.45% and the Dow was down 3.6%. Now, no one likes to lose money in the stock market. I totally understand that. So anytime that there's a down year, everybody's unhappy because everybody's lost money. However, remember that 2017 was a much better year than average. And markets have a tendency to do something that is called reversion to the mean. Now, mean is a statistical word that means average. So think about it as a return to the average rate of return. So if you have a year that the market goes up much more than average, it's not really that unexpected that the next year it goes down. The long-term rate of return for the S&P 500 is 11%. And from the period of time between the election in 2016 and the end of 2017, we had a market in the S&P 500 that went up well over 22%. So the fact that it went down a little bit last year, from a statistical perspective, isn't really that 
um, that unusual because it went up way too much in 2017. Yes, I know there is no such thing as way too much in the stock market as it's going up, but mathematically, unfortunately, things that go up come down. The bigger question is what's going to happen in 2019? And man, I wish I knew the answer to that, because if I could tell you what the market was going to do in 2019, then we'd all have it pretty easy. Unfortunately, I I can't do that, but what I can do is give you some things to look at. And, you know, we talked about some topics um, at the last couple of live shows that I did last year, where we looked at interest rate movements and we looked at Brexit. One of the things that happened over the holidays is um, Chairman Powell, Jerome Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve, said that he would look at economic data and conditions going forward as he decided how much he would um, raise rates or whether he would at all in 2019. So, you know, basically he said what you would expect the Fed chair to say, which is, yes, I told you what my plan was, but if economic conditions change, then I will also change my mind. That's a very sensible response. The market took it as stunningly good news. But I will say that the economic data so far this year has been quite good. The last unemployment numbers to come out were great. So, you know, we have some issues with tariffs. We have some issues with sectors that are being really hurt badly by the potential for tariffs. And then we have the government shutdown that I'm going to talk about here in the next section. But right now, the economic data is pretty good. So does that mean the Fed raises or not? I don't know. But all else being equal, with a relatively good economy, we should see a decent year in the stock market. There's a lot of things that could change that. A lot of them geopolitical, a lot of them decisions that we may make, we may not make, that may throw things off. There's some talk that there's some issue in the car lending industry where people are qualifying for vehicles that they probably shouldn't be buying. Now, I don't think that would have any sort of an impact like what we had in real estate in 2008. But there is some talk that the credit markets may have a little bit of a thing going on with some of the lending that's been happening. You know, we're going to have to wait and see. There's so many unknown variables. I don't think, unless something really weird happens that we're set up to like fall straight off a cliff or something, I do think it's prudent. I do think it's really important that you talk to your certified financial planner practitioner and talk about your risk tolerance and your time horizon. Make sure your asset allocation is the way it should be. That will stop you from panicking when the market does weird things and will help make sure that your financial plan has a good long-term success to it, rather than getting caught up in these day-to-day gyrations. Because what you don't ever want to do is to get into the practice of buying high and selling low. And unfortunately, when everything is as volatile as it is right now, it is super easy to do that. So just be prudent, be cautious, talk to your professional, and we'll just have to wait and see where 2019 goes. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back 
to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and in this part of the show, we talk about what's going on in the government. And what's going on in the government this week, today is January 7th, is we've been closed for a couple of weeks. And actually, that's sort of misleading because not all of the government is closed. And I think that causes people not to necessarily be aware of exactly what's happening. You know, not everybody's a news junkie. Not everybody's living on this. I will say in full disclosure, my husband is a federal employee and right now we're furloughed, but it is really impacting people. And I think it's important to know what's open, what's not open, and potentially what may or may not happen in the long term on the economy on this. So basically what happened is they funded part of the government and they didn't fund all of it. So there are big sections of the government, um, all of the military except for the Coast Guard. Big, big pieces of the government have already been funded. But there's nine federal departments that weren't. Those are Treasury, Agriculture, Homeland Security, Interior, Department of State, Housing and Urban Development, Transportation, Commerce, and Justice. So all of those departments have, are, are now working without pay or they're furloughed. There are some federal employees who are not getting paid but have been asked to work. Um, probably the biggest group of that that is super problematic is the Department of Homeland Security, which if I'm understanding all of the backstory on this, apparently that's the area where the wall funding would go, would be into Homeland Security. So that's why they're not paid. But one of the big pieces of Homeland Security is TSA. Remember, TSA are those people that keep us safe at airports. So TSA is right now working without pay. And you know that can't have people in the best of moods. There's some talk that people are now using any sick leave that they have because they just don't want to have to go to work and not get paid. So it's really problematic. You know, other areas where they're just, well, they're shut down are all of our national parks. And so there's some skeleton crews. They didn't actually close the parks this year. They just don't have employees working in the parks, which is creating some real problems. And we're going to have an awfully big mess to have to clean up when this actually um, when this actually reopens. Most of the IRS is currently furloughed. This means they're not allowed to go to work. And, you know, some people, when they first think about it, it's like, oh, the IRS isn't working. Yeah, but this is tax um, refund season. People are starting to file their tax returns and are hoping to get their refunds. Now, if this cleans up pretty quickly and we can get everybody open and we can reopen the government, then you will, in fact, get your tax refund. But if it goes on even weeks, forgetting what the president said about months and years, but even weeks, there will be issues with people who file their return, like about the 1st of February, who do it because they know they're going to get a refund and they really need that money to live on. Well, they won't get those refund checks. So we really need this to get done before the actual, you know, people are actually filing their taxes 
and they're trying to get their refunds because right now, as it currently stands, people aren't going to get the refund checks, and that's going to be super painful. Additionally, there are issues with the SNAP program. SNAP is today's word for food stamps, and there's an issue with whether or not those benefits will be available after February 1st is the day that I'm hearing. Now, you have to understand that every time you listen to anything right now, you get another piece of news, and depending upon the leanings of the people who are talking, it can sound incredibly dire or it can sound like, oh, this is really no big deal. So it's hard to sort out what's true. But I think that what really is true is, again, as long as this is resolved by February 1st, there won't be an issue with SNAP payments. So we need this to end within the next three weeks. From kind of a sad perspective, most of NASA is now furloughed, and I realize that doesn't impact most of our day-in and day-out lives, but it makes me very sad because I really like NASA. It's just a personal thing, and I'm very sorry that they're not working as well. So, you know, as this goes on, it is going to be felt more and more by human beings. As TSA, you know, just kind of grinds down a little bit with just demoralized workers who are being asked to work without pay, and they get sick more frequently, airport lines are going to get longer. If you can't get your um, tax refund, that's going to hurt a lot of people. And if there aren't SNAP payments, that's going to hurt a lot of people. So this really isn't just 800,000 government workers. It's all of the people who support those people. It's all of the little restaurants that they have close to these government buildings. You know, lots of little mom and pop places open up because they assume that the government is safe, right? And so it's a great place because you know you're always going to have clients. There's lots of people being hurt, and the general population is just about to feel it even more. Now, from an economic perspective, right now, honestly, the general sense is that if this can go ahead and get over with, there's probably not going to be long-term impacts. But they're saying um, there's economists, it's at Macroeconomic Advisors, that's the name of a company. They're saying that it would be a 2.7% annual GDP growth. However, they're saying that if the shutdown lasts into February, that 2.7 or 2.6, there's, there's like different numbers that are out there right now, is expected to drop to 2 so it's 0.6 of a percent, and I'm not fabulous at math in my head, but I know that you're looking at then over 20% drop in GDP. Because if you take 0.6 and you multiply it by 5, that's actually assuming a 3% GDP growth rate. So this is really going to impact our GDP. 20% cut to GDP is a big deal. 0.6% doesn't sound like a big number, but it's a huge number if you're starting at 26 there's also going to be issues in the financial sector. Um, Department of Commerce has been shuttered. They do economic reports, home sales, durable goods. So the economic reports aren't going to make, aren't going to be available for the stock market to analyze. 
Okay, you've heard me say this before. What does the market hate? It hates uncertainty. So if the market is being asked to choose a direction in a vacuum, and that vacuum is because the government isn't open to give it the reports that it wants, I have to believe that on some level that's not going to be good for the stock market. That's not really a prediction. It's just taking a whole lot of data, putting it together, and saying this really just can't be a good thing. So it will be an issue. There will be a lot of backlog data after it works um, to go back in and try to get all of this mess put back together again. So we'll just have to wait and see. In the meantime, if you know a federal employee, ask them if they're okay. This has been really stressful. And we'll just hope this comes to an end soon. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 and Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity section of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. After that fairly depressing discussion about the government being closed in the last section, let's try to turn this around and talk about prosperity and talk about the new year and talk about what we want to make happen in 2019. If you're like a lot of people, you've made a New Year's resolution, and it's already January 7th. I, oh, I hope it's still in place. A lot of those resolutions actually don't survive the first week. But if you made a New Year's resolution about your money, I want to give you some tips to help you be successful. Okay, the first thing is I want you to be specific. When you're specific, you don't make vague goals. You know, a goal can be, I want to save more money this year. Okay, well, that's great. I want you to save more money this year, too. I think that's fabulous. But the problem with that is you don't really have any way to measure it. You can put it off for months and months because I want to save money this year. It could be $5 in December. So be specific. Say, I want to save $100 a month this year. Or, if that's too big, I want to save $50 a month. Because not being specific is the first problem that practically everybody makes when they talk about their finances. But then the second problem that people hit is if money's tight, you know, maybe you're working a minimum wage job. Maybe you're really trying to make ends meet. And when someone on these financial shows says, oh, well, try to save $200 a month, you're like, yeah, right, I can't do it. And because you can't do it, you don't do anything. So what I'm going to suggest is you choose a number. You know, if you could save $5 a week by cutting out one fast food meal or a pack of cigarettes or a couple of cappuccinos at 7-Eleven, okay, $5 a week you'd have $20 in a month, and you'd have $240 in a year. Okay, that's not the biggest amount of money, but you know, I don't know a lot of people who wouldn't be happy to have $240 extra dollars. So set the number you can achieve. Maybe you want to save your change, so you buy something with cash, and then you save your change. Put that in a jar or something. There's some apps out right now that let you save your change um, virtually. I don't know anything about them. 
I don't know where the money's going. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's legit, but I am not about to recommend it because I don't know enough about it to do it. But just try to save a little bit. So be reasonable. Then try to break big resolutions into smaller pieces. So, you know, maybe you need to fund your IRA this year. Okay, wow, saving, you know, trying to save $5,000, $6,000 a year. That, wow, that's a lot of money. Okay, so break it down into pieces and break it down into monthly goals so that you're not looking at a number you don't think you can achieve. So if you break them into small, reasonable goals, maybe tie it to your paycheck so that every time you get paid, you lay X amount of money back, you'll be more successful than if you're just thinking, wow, I said I was going to save $1,000 and now it's April and I haven't saved $1,000 and I can't do this. Yes, you can. Just break it into little bitty pieces and it will get easier. And they all, every resolution doesn't actually have to be completed by the end of the year. What you're trying to do is establish a pattern. You're trying to establish a habit. So, you know, really what I'm doing is, is I'm kind of messing with your spending habits. If you can get into the practice of not spending more than you make, and you can get into the practice of saving a little bit of money, you will begin to turn around your spending patterns. It may take a while, and it may take a while before you begin to see the impact of it. But if you can be careful with what you're buying, you can start achieving long-term success that you don't just keep for 2019, but 2020 and 2021 and all of the years into the future. Finally, don't give up. If you set a New Year's resolution and here on January 7th, you've already screwed it up and you haven't done it. Okay, so try again. Pretend like January 7th is January 1st. People fail at New Year's resolutions because they set them up unrealistically. They set them up hard and fast. And then the minute that they break them, they freak out and they're like, I can't do this. And they stop. Don't do that. I want you to go ahead and reset. And if you mess up, then try it again the next month. Try it again the next week. Don't give up on your goals. Don't feel like a failure. Just because last week didn't work out doesn't mean this week can't. So just keep plugging away at it. Keep trying at it. Make every day January 1st if you have to do it. And eventually things will begin to start going in the directions that you want them to. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the show. And again, in full disclosure, I have to admit, I didn't get asked this question this week, but it seemed like such a good question to ask that I'm sure somebody out there has this question. And it was so timely that I thought it was an issue that I wanted to address. So the question is, what do you do if you lose your job? So there's a number of steps that you can take that will help the situation out. 
if you were fired for cause, which means you did something, then some of your options will be more difficult than if you were fired without cause, or in the case of the government employees right now, furloughed without cause, simply because there isn't the money to, to fund their agencies. So whether you are fired for cause or not, don't badmouth your boss in public settings, okay? Especially social media. I see things all the time. And what you need to know is your new employer is going to look you up on social media. There's a lot of us who, before we do business with people, we look at their social media profiles and we kind of get a sense of them. So your new boss is going to look at your Facebook page. You need to just expect that. They're going to read your Twitter feed. So don't badmouth your old boss because it may really impact your situation and to it's just really bad form. Resumes have changed quite a bit from the maybe 20 years ago that you may have been trying to pull one together. You know, if you've done a resume recently, your resume's probably good. But if you've done an old resume, you really need to go online and look at how the new resumes are being written. They're very targeted towards jobs. They're not a laundry list of everything that you've done. Now, that being said, you may have left things off of your resume that you've done since the last time you put it together. So make sure it has everything that you've done that's relevant, but really make sure that your resume doesn't look tired and dated and really focuses in on the job that you're looking to get, which means you may actually create different resumes for different job applications. Just be sure, you know, always, you know, don't ever lie on a resume. Don't ever make up something that you didn't really do because they will figure it out. And again, it's a really bad thing just in general to do. But you may need to tailor each resume for each job you're trying to get. Do not let good be the enemy of great. If you get a job offer and it's a good job and it wasn't exactly what you were hoping to get, go ahead and take it because it's a whole lot easier to find a job when you have a job. I know people are holding out for their dream job and they're still unemployed. So, you know, just because you take a job does not mean it's the very last thing you're ever going to do. So what you may want to do is take the job and then keep looking for that dream job that you're trying to do. Sometimes you would be able to get a job if you had training. And I know that it's so easy, especially if you're midlife and maybe a little bit beyond to say, I am not taking another class. But really embrace training as an opportunity to learn something new. And if you have a skill that you don't have that's standing between you and your ability to get a job, fix that. And that's going to make it a lot easier. And if you embrace it as an adventure rather than being really angry that you have to do it, you're going to feel a lot better about it. In the meantime, cash flow is king. This is the time that I'm really not that worried about your net worth. You've got to control your cash flow so you can pay the bills you need to pay. So be absolutely sure you know what things cost. This is a great opportunity to take your lunch, to do some things where you're going to really try to cut down on that mindless spending and be very, very careful, budget out the money so that you'll be all right. 
File for unemployment. If you were fired and it wasn't for cause, you're eligible for unemployment, which is usually at least 60% of your income. Now, different states have different rules. Um, unemployment is a state-regulated thing, not a federally-regulated thing. So go ahead and file. There's no shame in it. And then, you know, you can get off of it as soon as you get the job. Don't be discouraged. It can get very discouraging. It can get very frustrating, especially right now if you've been furloughed because you can't go get a job. You can't go do half of what I just said. I understand that. It can be super, super depressing. Do not be depressed. There are people who care about you. There are people who love you. There's still more in your life going right than going wrong. Focus on that. I hope you find work soon. I'm very, very sorry. And I wish you absolutely nothing but the best this week. So that's our show. Don't forget to tune in next week, and I will talk to you then. In the meantime, be prosperous. Bye. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.